Hey, Marcus. Yo. Did you know that vulgarity surpasses all perfections? It leaps from a varnished pot, and we see it pass in flames. A beautiful thing, intertwined with the fire, an identity surmounting the world, its core, from which we shrink squirting little hoses of objection, and I along with the rest squirting at the fire. Poet, are you there? I didn't know any of that. Are you there, poet? I'm calling you the poet. I'm there. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is Zebras in America podcast, a podcast about movies, amongst other things, recording live from the Quarantini Lamborghini. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, that was that was a little bit of a reading from the epic poem uh, Patterson by William Carlos Williams. And that may be some foreshadowing, you know, because in in storytelling, Marcus, I don't know. Have you ever heard of uh, foreshadowing? Kind of. You, you know, where, where, where something symbolizes that something else might might happen? I've heard a thing or two about that. Yeah. So there might be some foreshadowing there. So this is part two of our extensive favorite of the decade of the tens decade list of cinema. Um, and remember, we're not saying best. We're saying favorite. So you can't tell me what my favorite is or isn't. You know what I'm saying? And we're getting some really good feedback from our first episode. Did you know that, Marcus? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 this episode's in conjunction with two things that, you know, we've... Two pieces of writing that, that we've put up. So it's kind of this, like, long, ongoing continuation that it's nice to see that people are... Uh, are, are, are are taking to it, I guess, is, 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 is the term. Yeah, and something funny that I've found is that people like our episodes, like... They don't really like them under an hour. They like them over an hour, and they. it turns out they really like our two-and-a-half-hour episodes, which there aren't that many of. That's what, I, that's what I'm learning. And, you know, outside of this podcast, those are mostly the kinds of podcasts that I, I listen to, like the occasional Joe Rogan, although not recently, Star in the Morning, Joe Budden, people like that, and those episodes are anywhere between two and a half to three hours and they used to be for me they were just like markers of time like oh i just knocked out two of these episodes so a good portion of my day is over um so that's usually how i those so, so those kind of so long ep- episodes help, help, help helped that way just kind of yeah. mark my day without checking my watch every 30 20 minutes Exactly. And also like, yeah, like sometimes we can do, we, sometimes we can do it. Sometimes we don't have the ability to do so, but it all depends. You know, um, I was definitely listening to the, uh, Mike Tyson's recent episode on Joe Rogan and he is, he's an enigma. He is. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, without even this recent episode. Although Mike Tyson is a good guest. He's a good Joe Rogan guest. Um, yeah. There's still, I just think, 
it just boils down to, at the end of the day, he was just kind of, I'm not going to say wired a certain way, because that's kind of unfair, but I, I just think Mike Tyson was, he was just born into a lot of anger and into a lot of things that the average, that the average human being is not, and it's just, I think, as you grow and mature, he's not the kind of wild pit bull uh, that he was when he was younger, but I think that edge will always be there, and I think that hurt, I think that pain, I think a lot of stuff is just always going to be with someone like him, and I think that kind of, and I don't even mean that in necessarily a negative way, because certain things aren't even his fault, but I just think when you're, you know, Brownsville, and the time he came up in Brownsville, there's a lot of anger, a lot of violence, out of his control, it just kind of shapes who you are, it's a, it is what it is. Yeah, he's a nature versus nurture person, he's someone that, you know, who knows what would have happened if he had a different environment growing up in, yeah. or, you know... Had Customano learning. not had passed away, and then the vultures... Right. S- s- you know, but even in. even Customato, who who saved his life, he also, like, hypnotized him and stuff. Like, the guy, the guy needed therapy more yeah. than anything. Tell and, me about um, it. I'm telling you about it. Um, but yes, I just, I just found that that was, was an interesting, was an interesting thing, but you know, I, I don't know, like we'll do two and a half hour episodes when we can, and sometimes we can't, and that just really is what it is. And I just checked our algorithms and strangely enough, or not strangely enough, our Steve Pat, Pat, our Steve Bannon um, Jordan Patterson episode seems to be our most listened to episode. Yeah, makes sense. People, right now. Yeah, people um, trying to listen to. It's probably one of two and, things. Like, what did they that say? That and, and oh. that and our Outlaw Vern episode. Sure. Which are which are also the only episodes that get hate mail. But. What, um, one person. We, <clears throat> look, let me let me exaggerate, bro. No, I don't know. Don't exaggerate the negative. Some lonely dickhead complaining about we're, something he got for free. Suck a dick. I hope you're listening because I know you are. Because you love our sound it, quality so much. That's why you're listening. It really hurt my feelings. Huh? Yeah, so yeah, I got that one hate mail once, but that's okay. What are you going to do? It was written wanna, badly anyway. Wanna, yeah. But it definitely hurt my feelings, but it is what it is. I, that's something I need to work on. Do you wanna do you wanna hear a piece of mail that's that's not hate mail? Of course. Do you wanna hear some love mail? Sure. This is from a friend of the podcast, Brandon Boozer. Oh, alright. Who just who just is has started a podcast called Losing Track. So just in case if you're if you're keeping track, at least three people have started movie podcasts. Because of us, so cool. we are, we are the fucking velvet underground of movie podcasts. We may not be the most popular, but we influence everyone that likes us. Hashtag side by side. You were saying hashtag, yeah, no, you yeah, it's true. So, and I don't normally pat myself on the back, but sometimes I need to feel good about myself and the fact that we influence people, and I get. I get beautiful uh, private messages from people all the time. That's good. And it is what it is. Um, So, Brandon Boozer, subject line, museum hours. Hey, guys. 
I came across this film called Museum Hours a couple weeks ago and was curious if either of you have seen it and what your thoughts on it might be. If you haven't, it's about a woman who travels to Vienna to visit her dying cousin. She befriends a security guard at one of the art museums who just spends his days appreciating the art and the people who visit the museum. While they develop a pretty platonic friendship, the film does not push a romantic narrative, but instead utilizes the paintings and sculptures to show the imposition of art on our lives as these two people go through a beautiful but also tragic process. I was just so charmed by the film and how much it moved me. Definitely the best movie I've seen this year and will likely work its way into my all-time favorites. Would love to hear your thoughts on it when you get the chance. Marcus, have you ever heard of this movie? Of course. Jem Cohen's awesome. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Yeah, Jem Cohen, Jem, sorry, J-E-M Cohen is, uh, he's a really unique filmmaker. Uh, Museum Hours, man, where did, I, I don't remember, it doesn't matter, I don't remember what theater I saw it at, but I've seen quite a few of his films. Uh, it, 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 it actually might be the best thing he's done. Um, yeah. It's very good. Uh, if, if you haven't, check out his other... I mean, man, he, he's done short films. Jem, Jem Cohen, I'm talking about short films. I went to this cool art installation kind of movie he did at IFC Center once that was hosted by Jim Jarmusch. Um, it was like kind of kind of a live concert film, but then it also incorporated some other cool video Im, 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 imagery things. So yeah, Jem Cohen, is, is, uh, he's a good guy. He does really good work. Yeah, so what I will say, Brandon, is I've never seen this movie. However, um, museums are places that I find a lot of um, solace in. And when I was coming to grips with being an introverted person, which has definitely been challenged by the quarantine because I still like to be an introvert, but I definitely do not like how much time away from people I've spent this year. It's been quite painful and I'm sure it's quite painful for a lot of people. And I can only imagine how painful it is for extroverts or for people that don't have partners or for people who live in uncomfortable situations to say the least. Um, So, when I was coming to grips with the fact that I'm more of an introvert than people might consider, I had to realize that I don't like to spend too much time with people, but I do like to be part of the world. And I do like to be part of, um, you know, society in a, in a way. And museums and doing things by yourself, like going to the movies by yourself or going to concerts by yourself or going to a museum by yourself are ways where you can be alone but not lonely or Mm. interact with the world without having to totally be immersed in socialization. And I I have become friendly with museum security guards because I used to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art a lot and it's the best museum of all time and that's my opinion but I also think it's right. And I was friendly with at least two security guards there. And it was cool. So I'm going to watch this movie probably this week. Because it sounds like something right up my alley. And Brandon Boozer wrote a second part to his email. He says, also feel free to read this part on the pot or not. 
but also just want to say that this show heavily inspired me to start my own show, Losing Track, forcing myself to regularly prepare myself so I don't sound like a complete idiot has really helped me think more critically. I also, I also tend to watch other movies similar to what we plan on watching that week, so I'm just expanding my appreciation to a very noticeable point within just a few weeks. I'm really glad I did this and would encourage anyone who is thinking of doing something similar to get it going. Again, thank you, and open invite to you both if you ever want to come on. Brendan. Well, yeah, I think starting a podcast and making sure that you don't have like you want to make sure that when you're talking about something, you don't have icing on your face. So hmm. it you do have to get prepared. And sometimes you find yourself doing all this homework that you don't end up using. Or sometimes you're like, damn, how did I forget this one thing? Like um, Marcus interviewed a well-known actor once and I gave him a hard time for not asking him about a very small like web tv series he was on that i think only i watched you know and Mm. so (laughs) you just like i think it's good to just be deliberate and just show care in what you're doing but also not take yourself too seriously and as far as the podcast goes um continue doing it and when you get a vibe going and you know we can figure out an episode we'll we'll figure it out How's that sound, Marcus? Perfect. Yeah. Now, so now, in true zebra's fashion, we didn't we didn't get to the meat of the episode just yet. So, are you? I think we should do uh, one for one with with this, the top tier of our of our of our twenty tens. So, so do you want to start? Yeah, um, I have to start out by shouting out Martin Kessler. Because this is the most recent entry, uh, maybe from a few months ago when I kind of updated this list. But this is well before we recorded. So I'm going. This is uh, Alexi Verman's "Hard to Be a God." It's a uh, kind of a part sci-fi, part historic, just dirty, gross film, and you yeah. just feel like, oh, I'm in the mud. I just feel like I smell. What the hell's going on? I feel uncomfortable. It's just a really great movie. And, and I'm surprised all these years I've known Martin, I haven't watched it. Like, I only watched it the very, very beginning of this year, of 2020, which felt, I, just as I was talking and saying this out loud, I thought I had seen it a while ago. But I was like, oh, no, I, technically I just saw this movie for the first time a few months ago. It just felt like it was so long ago. No, you did, you, we, we rewatched it in 2019 before having Leanne on the show. Oh, never, oh, I'm thinking of Khrushchev Where's My Car. So, same, same, uh, same director. Sorry, uh, but yeah, um, sorry. I got those direct. I got the movies mixed up. Same director. That's okay, man. But hard to be a god. And for the, and what's funny is as oh, that's why it wasn't on. Oh, two things that that. But also when I first did this list, hard to be a god just wasn't on it. I just like forgot it. Well, yeah, I think I remember you saw that I put it on a different part in my list and that inspired you to revisit it because because me and Carlo's list inspired you. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, to update it, I didn't add Patterson on, but uh, which I feel like I should after. Well, but you know, whatever it is. I mean, 
all I can say is I did um, read a, a passage of the poem Patterson earlier. Yeah. So that might have something to do with something. But I'm not going to say. All right. I wonder what. And yeah, so like Hard to Be a God I saw basically because you and Leanne and Martin Kessler just wouldn't stop talking about it. Martin was like, oh my God, it's such a good movie, man. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And he'd be like, I brought these M&Ms to put with this popcorn. And I was like, okay, cool. No doubt. And he told and us he was Werner Herzog's long lost son. And he was like, and then I said, Werner, Papa? And... And it was great. Um, one of the most fun things I like to do is um, randomly, without context, send scenes from Hard to Be a God in text message form to my friends. Oh, that's cool. Because they're just like, what? Because, <laughs> you know, it's black and white. It's in a different language. And even though it's a sci-fi film... It's so many other things as well. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that. Yeah. Shall I go for one of mine? Yeah, of course. I did talk about this a little bit last episode, but The Souvenir by Joanna Hogg mm-hmm. is just a thunderously simple but brutal look at toxic relationships and the effects that drugs and really addiction have on love and on people and what it does to people. And it's just a souvenir is a very delicate film. It came out in 2019. We we've talked a bunch of times that for that they're making a sequel and uh, Tilda Swinton plays the mother of her actual daughter, mm-hmm. who's um, who's the main star in the movie, and it's slightly autobiographical about you know because Joanna Hogg, even though she's only made four movies, one two four movies with five with five coming out, mm-hmm. um, you know her she's been working on movies she's been working in this in the business for a long time so this movie which is about this young woman trying to make trying to get into movies and also falling in love with an addict is from what i understand based off of a part of her life mm-hmm. or like loose loosely Loosely based and uh, Honor Swinton Byrne plays plays her. And I don't know, man. This movie just like punched me in the heart and the gut and never stopped. Same. I was big on this movie. It was I mean, I guess it could have made made my list. It, it was on it was one of the best films for me of last year. You know, I also fell even more in love with this movie recently. Uh, just a few months ago, back in May, I discovered that one of the, it's not even a major role, but one of the 
actors that portrays one of the film school teachers is actual documentary filmmaker Dick Fontaine, who made some really oh. important uh, underground hip hop documentaries back in the day. Uh, Beat this, Bombin. Bombin's cool because Bombin features uh, Goldie, and um, really, and who's the, the, I feel, the, the white guy from Massive Attack, who's also probably uh, Banksy. Yeah, and then when you watch this movie. It almost just kind of adds to the theory and actually almost, it, it just helps make a little bit more sense. But it's cool seeing these two young guys uh, before they even got into music. Well, before they started making music, I guess I should say. So um, so that was like a little cool thing that I found. And also like uh, director, actor Richard Ayoade play yeah. is, in, is in the souvenir for like 30 seconds. And is apparently in the souvenir too. I didn't even for realize longer. it was him. I was like, because I really liked them. I saw this movie on a whim, too. I was just like, I had the day to myself. I was like, let me just kill time. I have a membership to this theater where it's playing. And then afterwards, I was just looking it up. I was like, Richard Ayad, who was he? And I was like, oh, he was that guy, which was which is kind of cool. He It was kind of a, for like Scott said, the few seconds he's in the movie. It's a very transformative. It's like barely. It's like one like, yeah, scene. But it's, he's barely, yeah, he's been there for one scene. And I saw the movie... I think because uh, Mikhail, Mikhail, friend of the show, who's been on the show a couple times, uh, told me it was a, it was like the movie of the year. And on an episode of the show with us, he he described uh, basically Archipelago and Unrelated to be like if Hanukkah and Lucretia Martel had a had a kid mm. and i was like i was and i went home and watched unrelated right away and um what's up mikhail i text with you sometimes and carlo and i think carlo on this. your on your nuptials okay they're talking about that now posted on, oh yeah he posted all over social media so okay i wasn't sure if that was if that was a secret or not that's why i didn't bring it up um so um yeah and and he, as I've said this before, but um, Richard Ayoade uh, is really funny in the not great movie The Watch, and also directed Submarine, which is which is all which is okay. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like I don't know. It I'm not you know what I'm not gonna say what I was about to say because it doesn't matter. So. What what's your next movie? Uh, next that I got is uh, Personal Problems. So it's a it's a old new movie or a new old. Movie. Can I just say that that is also on my list? Yeah, you said the last episode. That's why I was excited to uh, to get to this. It's um, Bill Gunn's really another long movie. Although this 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 one's longer. Funny enough, I saw this movie at the same theater I saw the souvenir at uh, Museum of the Movie Gaming. Shout out to them. Stream movies there if you can. They have, um, if you stream movies through the moving image, uh, they've got movies to stream for like $3.99, $4.99, as opposed to the like $20 movies. But um, anyway, Personal Problems, it's a great film by, by Bill Gunn. Um, you know, at its core, it's just about family, uh, how some family can be dysfunctional, living in uptown New York City. Um, you know, it was shot with, um, you know, I'm using air quotes, kind of archaic footage, even for that time. But it also kind yeah. of goes to show, it's almost the equivalent of like, you know, 
Actually, I'm not going to compare it to that movie. I'm just going to be general and say when people, hey, we shot this movie on a flip phone, and then now it's we shot this movie on an iPhone. This is kind of the equivalent because they shot it on a camcorder, and it's one of those things where like sometimes looking like a film or looking nice and polished is important, but in this case, you know, not really well, because the movie's just so great, and maybe it even and, adds to it. You know? And it was it was deliberate. Um, you know, uh, Bill Gunn, who we've talked about on the show a lot, but mm-hmm. we'll continue to talk about him. He only directed three movies, and one of them is even harder to find than yeah. Personal Problems. The other one is Ganja and Hess, and we, spo- uh, we spoke about the remake of Ganja and Hess, The Sweet Blood of Jesus, in last week's episode, mm-hmm. and we've already recorded next week's episode, and we talk about The Sweet Blood of Jesus in next week's episode. Yeah. So... Bill Gunn's Bill Gunn has influenced people to this day, and the one the one movie the one screenplay that I know for sure that he wrote, The Landlord, which is Hal Ashby's first movie, uh, still holds up. I I watched that movie at that was one of the last movies I saw in a movie theater. Um, I saw that at Film Forum with Saskia and Saskia's mom and my mom. We had a we had like a nice family night. We went out to dinner, and we went to watch that because there was a there was like a retrospective of Lee Grant, and Lee Grant is excellent in that movie. Mm-hmm. Ha, have you? That's I think I told you that I really want to do a Hal Ashby episode. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you have. You, he's, he's one of your favorites. Yeah. So, do you want to do a Hal Ashby episode soon? Of course. There's some cool little. Nuggets I got for for an episode like that. Yeah. Um, when was? The, do you remember the landlord at all? Of course I do. What did What did you think about it? Oh, we've talked. Oh, I thought. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a, it's, it's a good debut. I don't think he had found his voice yet. I just I, I do love that it's a young uh, Charlie Murphy makes his film debut. So. In, 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 in the landlords so that's, so that's kind of cool nice little cool nugget a lot of people don't know that yeah or or Louis Gossett's also in there right. Bo Bridges there's there's a bunch of people um, and yeah it's not a perfect movie by any means but it's it's got a nice vibe to it and I, I thoroughly recommend it as a movie to take a look at its time and and also a, a movie that really handles the notion of gentrification pretty well. Mm. And so, but anyways, Bill Gunn, when he made Personal Problems, him and Ishmael Raid chose to shoot on camcorders because their initial goal was to create something that was easiest to make to to do like to make like their initial idea was to make almost like a soap opera of these families and this family dynamic and. It's much cheaper to shoot on video cassette than it is to shoot on film. So it was a deliberate choice for many reasons, but it creates a very nice aesthetic artifact. And when it was finally released a couple of years ago for people to watch, it, it was it's like it's like watching an epic. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but. I ran into a friend of a friend at the movie theater to see that movie and 
I ran into him a couple of weeks later and he was like, dude, I, I didn't know that there was a second half. So I left after the intermission and, and I was like, oh man, that's, that's too bad. But cause there's an intermission and you almost feel like the movie's over, but there's not. Some people left when I was there. It's like, guys, there's more. Yeah. And he left, but he's like a nice dude and he felt bad about it and he ended up watching it anyway. So, so I guess I don't have to talk about personal problems, which is on my list. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. What's, uh, so what, what do you got next? But I just want to say that, oh. it, that, that, that personal problems is this, this list is not uh, a numbered list, but that one's high mm-hmm. on the list. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, just because that movie just hit me something fierce. And it's really special when a movie about a culture that's not your culture really reminds you of your own culture and is able to make you think about, like, I just I just really, like, missed my dad watching that movie. And, you know, my dad was a, was a Brooklyn Jewish white dude, you know, and the film is about you know, black family, but I was, but I was able to hearken back to the importance of my family. I'm going to be repeating those words about a movie, uh, later on about, you know, being affected by a movie that isn't your culture, but it just still hits you. Why don't you just, why don't you just do that one right now? I guess it was going to, I was going to kind of the last few, but, uh, so that would be tree of life. Um, and also you said missing your dad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, that, 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 that movie highlights the important importance of both parents. I mean, I feel like I've spent the last 10 years kind of defending the Brad Pitt character because I read so much of what I can about Tree of Life. And I already, I mean, I think dads, good dads too, to begin with, kind of get a bad rap. So I just think a lot of people focus on the kind of disciplinary and hard-assery of Brad Pitt's father character in Tree of Life, but then they don't pay attention to all the times he hugs, kisses them, to the poignant scene where he says, you know, you three, you know, you, my three sons, are the best things I've ever created in life. I think all that stuff kind of matters, because it's like my dad. I think if, like, people only did, like, a supercut of my father, he would come off like some hard-ass, like, who doesn't smile super serious, but it's just like... No, he was goofy. He did silly shit to make me and my mom laugh. It's just like, it's 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 how pe- people perceive you. My dad was definitely uh, an extrovert and in- introvert. So it's like, if he didn't know you, he was just very quiet. So Yeah, same. And, like you know, my dad too. Yeah. You, he was like, you didn't... Some people thought that he was a very quiet person and other people couldn't wait for him to shut up, you know? Sure. Pe- we, we wear several masks and we, we're many different people and fatherhood is complex man and there's no one way to do it and a lot of things that our fathers did that we might not choose to do are on 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 face value can be hard to take in but really it's in these situations it's about the whole and not just just one piece of it god man and that's really important because so what what you said too about like my dad would always say similar relationship my father loved my grandfather 
But my dad also was just like, you know, there's things my dad did that I just knew I wasn't going to do with you. I was going to lighten up a little bit, which is kind of crazy because my dad could be weirdly militant. So I think about the grandfather I knew was a sweet old guy, but it's just like, damn, if he's lighter than my, what the hell is my grandfather like, you know? Um, but I think that's kind of always what it is like of a certain, of, of a certain generation. You know, even, you know, my dad was just like, you know, when we were growing up, it wasn't child abuse. You just got hit and beat a lot. And it's like, you know, we decided we weren't going to do that to you. He didn't necessarily hold up uh, that bargain, but, you know, still, whatever. Rest in peace, Willard. You are awesome. You know, he, he, he definitely lightened up. from, And not just my dad. I got a lot of, I learned a lot about my grandfather, obviously from my grandmother, great uncles, great aunts, cousins, whoever. So I got this really great kind of, you know, because I, I only knew my grandfather up to when I was uh, uh, eight. Right. So it's not like I got to be mature. Whereas, like, you know, my grandmother, she lived till she... Well, my grandfather was much older, but I knew my grandmother. She passed when I was 34. So it's like I knew my grandmother for a long time very well, whereas not not so much with my grandfather, so... Yes, and can you do me a favor in moving moving forward in this list in the future? Yeah. When, when naming the movie, can you just uh, also say the director? Oh, sure. Because just in case, I mean, most people probably know that, that, you know. So, oh, um, well, I, yeah, Terrence I said, Malick, wait, Alexi, yeah, I said Alexi Grimond, Bill Gunn. No, but you said, didn't say Terrence Malick's um, Tree of Life. Oh, well, I mean, I wasn't, I was going to say his name eventually. Yeah, but we've been talking about it for like six minutes, I got which more. is all good. Yeah, I, I got more because I was going to, yeah, I was, yeah. We're not, we're not fighting. No, I know we're not. Um, yeah, Tree of Life is not is probably my least favorite of that of that time period of Terrence Malick. But you know, I was telling my friend the other day, not the other day, today, my friend Patrick, who you've met before, mm-hmm. was te- was texting me all these videos of him like chiseling. And like sharpening his knives and like building model houses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these are fucking awesome. And he was like, he was like, what? And I was like, bro, I like that you're interested in what you're doing. I, I'll, I'm happy to watch what you do as long as you're passionate. I don't need to like what you like, but I like that you like it. And I believe that that is beautiful. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, beauty is the key word. I mean, anybody that knows knows me half well knows how much I love Terrence Malick. And it's like... Well, I'm not saying the movie is, is beautiful. My, I'm saying that your passion is beautiful. I was, I was just trying to segue and use the word beauty to... Man, trip me up. Um, We're not fighting. I know, I'm just saying. I got tripped up and now I, I don't know what I'm... It has nothing to do with me fighting. I, I, I lost beauty. my train of thought. Yeah, he's, um, I've been a big Terrence Malick, I've been a big Terrence, especially for the last 10 years, I've been a Terrence Malick defender, because, you know, I do find that I guess some people like all of his recent movies, but I just feel like there's still a general kind of joke and cynicism, majority-wise, you know, towards his movies, and, you know, Tree of Life is kind of important, because it kind of kicked it off, and that's not to say, you know, obviously the New World and, and Thin Red Line is kind of of that style, but Tree of Life is where it started. And also started because Tree of Life is the first in a series of films that's like semi-autobiographical all the way up through uh, song to song. Um, and, 
Thin so. Red Line and New World have a semblance of a plot that you could figure out easily. Yeah. Where the where the other ones take more work. Yeah. And it's a, oh, I also I, I do want to say since we're on decades and stuff, I I, I do want to say rest in peace to Heath Ledger because he was supposed to play the father character in the film before Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt did a great job. I think it was one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances, but this movie took like three years to film and like just before they were about to start, Heath Ledger passed. So there's all yeah. that like this, it, like even just the making of this movie was epic. There's, they ended up making a whole separate movie out of the footage that didn't get used. Kind of like how they did with to the wonder also. So it's like, really? Yeah. It's, it's called, it's like the director's, there's like hours of unused footage. That's like a, a, another movie. So it's like the same kind of story, but it's like, a whole separate thing. It's like the same actors and people, obviously, but it's like kind of a different version. It's it's on the Criterion Collection. The the the, the special is it, features. Is it good? It is, but it's one of those things where this it just came out like a year ago. I'm just I'm so attached to like the original version that it's just kind of like it's almost like a cool experiment. Like when Steven Soderbergh re-edits movies. And it's like, oh, this is cool, but I'm just, I'm more attached to just, like, the theatrical release in this case. Right, but I, I wonder, I feel like there's got to be, like, with with those movies where he films so much, mm-hmm. that I wonder if there are even, like, really, compl- you could make completely different movies with other, with, uh, with unused stuff, but... Mm. Because you're saying there's like a second movie and that there's a second movie of To the Wonder. To the Wonder is way more. To the Wonder is like a, like a, like a, like a, it, it just focuses on uh, Harvey Bardem's character. And it's different storylines. It's diff- It's not even like, like, yeah, you don't even, it's not even Ben Affleck and Olga Kurylenko and Rachel McAdams. It's like just Father Quintana and him, you know, visiting people and doing all that stuff. Yeah, it's, well, he, he's, he's known for that. Where do I where do I see this? What is that even called? Oh, what the hell is it? It had, it's like a Terrence Malick and Malley Malick Ian type name. It actually it had a short theatrical run at, at, at Museum of the Moving Image, and I'm sure it'll be released at some point because it, it it got it got a release. He did that with Thin Red Line. There's literal so Gary Oldman, Martin Sheen. There's some big actors that filmed scenes full 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 scenes. And kind of had mini storylines and got cut out of that movie. Th- 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 yeah, th- th- thin, thin Red Line has like a bunch of stuff too. I- I'd love to see that, that 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 footage. I think the Mickey Rourke stuff is the only unused things that have surfaced. But there's so many more actors who are in that movie that just didn't make the the cutting that that, that just didn't make the final form. Yeah, but right now, like now, I'm just like, wait, I want to see this. I want to see this to the Wonder movie starring Javier Bardem. Yeah. I'm sure I really, great. I really hope you can find out what the heck you're talking about because I really want to see that. Yeah. And um, also speaking of rest in peace and Terrence Malick, rest in peace Brian Dennehy. Jesus, uh, yeah, rest in peace uh, Brian Prince, Dennehy. Prince of Cups and uh, of Cups. what up, what up, Knight of Cup, what up? Um, I think. Well, I was talking to. Ronald Wimberly today, and he wrote Prince of Cats, so maybe that's where I was thinking about oh, it. Yeah. But I was I was asking him questions about memes, and because um, I was like, "Hey man, is this meme I made good?" And he was like, "He was like, ah, uh, you know, how are you 
he was very he was very nice about it, but it was it wasn't the best meme for me. Did you ever see that weird movie Accidental Love? No. It was like this movie that was ninety percent made by David O. Russell, and then he oh, stopped that. making it. No, I, I I didn't see it. I I wonder if it's any good. I remember being excited about it, just like, oh, James Caan, and all, like it was like people I liked, but I, yeah, I, I remember even though before the movie was made, it was like in production hell, because it had like a partially different, ca- like Vince Vaughn was the main character at one point, and then I just kind of forgot about it, and then it just showed up years later, like, hey, this movie finally got wrapped up and made, and, and here it is, and I just never... Yeah, and... No, there's, there's. I did talk about Silver Linings Playbook when mm-hmm. I uh, American Hustle was not my favorite movie. Wow. Neither was, neither was Joy. So, same. Uh, yeah, same. Joy was funny because it was a movie called Joy, and there wasn't much. That was a joke my mom made. <laughs> um. So, is there anything else you would like to say about um, the Tree of Life? No, no, I'm good, man. Okay. What do you have next? I have Patterson, Jim Jarmusch. Oh, cool. Uh, Jim Jarmusch's past few movies have been hit or miss. Yes. And some would argue mostly miss. And I'm I'm definitely split on his zombie movie. I kind of like it, but I also don't need it in my life if that makes sense sure it's like so self-referential that it's kind of rough (laughs) kind of but yeah and it's like you know samuel beckett figured out how to do this pretty well like uh many 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 years beforehand uh but anyways and the 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 vampire movie was was good. Yeah, it's, I, I got nothing against it. I just, for me, I'm only speaking for myself. To me, at the end of the day, Jim Jarmusch is is is, is an A plus director. So when I see him, I hate this analogy, but it is what it is. I, when I when I see him make C's, it's just kind of like not scolding him. It's just like you could do better. Like I feel like uh, you know, like that motivational teacher that doesn't yeah. that, that who isn't needed. To, to, to begin with, but it's just like apply yourself. I've seen you do yeah. better. And the C's, the C's almost like kind of hurt because like you know yes. that, like yeah. the C's hurt more because like then there's those kids who mostly do C's. So when they do A work, you're like, wow, yeah, that must have been really hard for you yeah. to do. Yeah. So I hear you, yeah. but Patterson is Patterson's an A plus. Patterson is is a is a Zen soft delicate piece of understated power yeah it's about this bus this bus driver played by adam driver yeah. keep keep he's, talking i have to plug up the door with, with, with a towel sorry keep keep on he's a poet his he's named patterson he lives in patterson and he lives with his wife played by um Gall shift to Farahani and he writes poetry and he drives a bus and 
it's really just about a dude who's happy with his station in life and is just wants to have a nice life and have a couple beers and hang out with his dog and hang out with his wife and write poetry. And that's what he wants and that's what happens. It's not a it's not a very complicated movie, but it is complex in its emotions and its subtlety, its presentation. And Adam Driver is able to play you know, it's not like he's going against type here. He's playing just this guy who's like, all right, I guess I'll just uh, write this poetry. Okay. Yeah, and he's an easygoing guy. I actually like easy. him as a character. He's someone I'd hang out with. Yeah, that's true. And um, something that is talked about in the movie is that there's a book-length poem... Patterson, which I read from today by William Carlos Williams. And the, there's someone reading it who's, uh, who, and the person who, who reads it is played by Masatoshi Nagase, who you guys might know from Mystery Train. So there's this sort of cycle yeah. in it. And if I remember correctly, speaking of cycles, isn't our buddy in this movie? Yes, he is. Multi multi guest of the show, Mr. Mr. Jared Gilman. Jared Gilman and sort of like how would you explain that sort of little vibe? Cause him and Kara Hayward, they're both in Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom, so they play they they don't play themselves, but it's funny for them to show up in and, this and, movie. Yeah, and Jim Jarmusch and Wes Anderson are buddies. So, well, on 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 the show, Jared was saying, yeah, it was a direct kind of homage, shout out to Wes Anderson and Moonrise Kingdom to have them both in it. What's Wes Anderson up to? Uh, French Dispatch. It was supposed to be one of the big movies that was going to come out this year, but due to COVID, it got pushed back. Um, so it's not going to come out till ne next year, but it's, you know, it's his, re it's his regular group of folks. He added some new people like Benicio del Toro's in this one and Timothy Chalamet. But besides that, it's all, you know, the other regulars like Willem Dafoe, uh, Owen Wilson, folks like that. I'd love, I need, I need Luke Wilson. The poster, the poster Luke, looks dope. I need Luke yeah. Wilson to come back. Man. Yeah. Or actually all three Wilson brothers. I still maintain the three Wilson brothers should have been a star of Darjeeling Limited wouldn't have made the movie that much better, but it would have made it a little bit better, maybe. I don't know, but, um, yeah. Diagram of a scam. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I ju was just referenced? No, what? That's Owen Wilson in Perfect Midnight. <laughs> Diagram of a scam. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That just made me sad. I just get sad sometimes, you know? Of course I know. You just like be talking about your life and then you everything just sort of comes crashing down and sure. you just have like little moments. And uh, did I say perfect midnight or permanent midnight? Because I'm said talking perfect about. Midnight. I know what you're talking about. Permanent midnight. It's permanent midnight. Yeah. Which is about this like heroin, heroin doubt. TV writer who like 
Jerry Stahl, who was writing for ALF as he was dealing with uh, a terrible heroin addiction. I think it's a pretty good movie the last time, I, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Though, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw Permanent Midnight. Sure. Well, like, probably in the 90s. When was uh, the last time you saw Permanent Midnight? Uh, I know exactly where I was. I was in my friend's college dorm. And we were watching it there. This probably was uh, some between 2000. No, it was 2004. We were just getting off work from the Radisson. And my friend Dallin has the most random movie collection. And that was just okay. like one of the movies featured prominently. And uh, and we were like, hey, let's watch this. What is this? And then it was like, oh, this is that movie. Because I had other DVDs and VHSs that had the trailer for that movie in it. And I was like, oh, this movie. And it was a it was a fun night. He's like, yeah, you know, you know what my you know what my mystique is, you know, what vibe I sort of like, you know, uh, drug addict sitcom writer. <laughs> That's what I'm into. And every time I think of that movie, and we talk about this movie, it makes me think of the 1999 thriller uh, Minus Man, starring Owen Wilson and Janine Garofalo. Oh my God, that movie. Yeah. Watch it. Watch watch that movie and then and then get mad at us. You remember we did a whole episode about the movie Moscow Zero and then a couple yep. of fans watched the movie and then got mad at us? Oh, I don't remember getting the mad part, but uh whatever. It's Your a loss. I'm sure some people and some people did watch it and like it are you know the movies we like aren't for everybody and that movie was definitely a challenge. But I still enjoy it and I still stand by it. And it's it, it was going to be on my best of this decade. But then you, the narc you are, pointed out that it didn't come out in this decade. Okay. Facts are facts. Look, dude, there is a natural alliance between truth and affliction because both of them are mute suppliants eternally condemned to stand speechless in our presence. Damn. That's Simone Weil. Um, you know, because whatever, dude. <laughs> so that movie would have been on there. And Moscow Zero, is it's like Vincent Gallo and Val Kilmer and Sage Stallone in a bootleg remake of The Ninth Gate. That either sounds like something you want or it sounds like something you don't want. You yeah. know what you're getting into. Like, yeah. it's this is, you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly what you mean. Come the fuck on, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, damn, I don't. Oh, so that was me, Patterson. So yes. now now it's on you. Uh, it's on me with uh, Belatar's The Turin Horse. And I'm going to use his words because uh, I, I love, he says, this movie is about the heaviness of human existence. And Fuck. I couldn't, and you know, that even though it's, well, one, that, that is a beautiful description, but it also, it, it does apply to so many things, films specifically, but it applies perfectly to The Turin Horse because this is a movie just about like the repetition of chores every day. The going to the well, coming back inside, fixing dinner, going to the well outside, then coming back inside. And, you know, I, 
obviously, you know, when, 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 when I think of, when people think of art house movie, like Bela Tarr is kind of a, he's an architect slash pioneer of a lot of the stereotypes that people would make fun of. Um, so if when you hear that, know, even it, if they know who he is, a lot yeah, of people don't even know exactly, who he is. Yeah. 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 It's a very good point. But what saves, so, but even though, you know, when I describe, oh, that, 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 that sounds boring, depressing, or a combination of both, the movie shot very beautifully, one, and it's also like beautifully black and white, um, yeah, and, and it is a heavy movie. It's both heavy and beautiful. It's just that perfect combination, 50-50 of heavy and beautiful. And, and I love this movie. And I've only seen it once. It's one of those things, too, where I I just can't put this movie on at any time. Uh, I've tried to rewatch it again, and it's just like, eh. I like to stick with the one full viewing I had once in life. I'm Yeah, I'm becoming a bad influence on you. Because like, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm watching movies once now and enjoying life. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, you know, people used to like when we would come up with uh, rap names for directors. So, Bella Bars, motherfucker. I was about to say that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't because I, I was setting it up. So if you had stolen my punchline, we would have gotten into a fight. Would you have split my know. forehead with a log? I don't need to use weapons. <laughs> Though I would never hurt you. You're my friend. Yeah. Also, an antihistamine I took, if you did, did, did that. I took an antihistamine earlier. Also, like, the turn horse is like three hours long. Yes. That. Oh, I didn't even... Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's long. It's a long movie. Yeah. So, there's that. Yeah. Um... I think. I forget how to count. But it's a long movie. Right. Okay, where are we going from there? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with... Uh, Clouds of Silmaria. Olivier, Olivier, Oliver Assayas. Nice. Uh, you talked about this movie on other parts of this list. Yeah. And it is... A Criterion Collection film. It's about it's about uh, Juliette Binoche, and she is playing an actress who's who the actress she plays is older than she is in real life, but she's like in the middle of trying to figure out where she is in her career, and her assistant is played by Kirsten Stewart, and. They go to see the clouds of Silmaria, and you you sold it to me as a less surreal um, Mulholland Drive. Sure, and I think that's a pretty apt description. It's funny the the movies we described last week, like the 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 movies that had more problems. It was almost easier to talk about because there were because there's more to to unpack and more to discuss. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know how much I can say about the clouds of Silmaria. It is you know, very meta to Ju as you know you were alluding to a Juliet Binoche. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and even to go a little deeper, you know, even just like I, I think one of the main reasons. Well, there's a pivotal, like you said, we, we're not going to talk about. We're not going to give too much away. 
because there's a pivotal scene towards the end that's kind of similar to a scene of Mulholland Drive that are both important. But it's also, too, just about the, like, the the surreality of, like, the entertainment business. Like, there's another scene where a scene in Clouds of Silver Maria starts off and it seems like they're arguing, but, oh, no, they're actually just rehearsing a scene, and there's a scene just like that in Mulholland Drive. So it kind of plays on all those kinds of things, you know? It's, it's, goddamn, the movie's good. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's this scene where they're acting, and you're not sure whether it's acting or not, and if you've ever known actors and you've seen them practice, it's really intense. Yeah. And it captures that really well, and uh, a young Chloe Gracie Moretz is in there too, playing, mm-hmm. playing yeah. like almost like a young, not nice. Moretz, because she seems like a nice, nice enough person in life. Yeah, she does, and and you're right in the movie. She's a little kind of, she's part self-absorbed, part bratty, and she's also just her character. Damn. Okay, so that's another thing. Chloe Grace Moretz's character in that movie plays like a pop, pop teeny kind of person who's making her transition into I'm using air quotes serious films, which to some degree is kind of what how Chloe Grace Moretz was in this movie. Because, you know, a lot of people know her from, say, Kick-Ass or 500 Days of Summer or things like that. She had never done a film. She's in 500 Days of Summer? Yeah. It's like a supporting role. Yeah. Um, That that movie's overrated. A little bit. A little bit. It's not on either of our lists. Well, it's not. It didn't come out in in this decade. Oh, that's right. That's true. Um, and I totally forgot about the kick-ass movies because I just thought they were, um, you know, unremarkable. Yeah, I actually like the first one. But what I'm saying is, like, now she's in this Olivia Sayas lane, and that was kind of the talk of that movie, too, where it was just like, wait, what? And there's even a scene that reflects that when Juliet Binot, she's going to be doing a play with this character Chloe plays, so she's doing her homework and looking up, like, YouTube clips and videos, and she looks at this, like, Q&A that she does... And her whole attitude is just like, she's coming into my world? What the hell? And it's and that's kind of how a lot of film fans thought about when they knew she was going to be in this. Same, same, same with Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, who now is like Olivia Stace's homegirl and his low-key muse. But when they were first getting together, people were just like, what? The Twilight person? Yeah. I mean, look, the Equalizer was dope. And Gre- Greta was weird as fuck. Did you see Greta? Yeah. It's like bad, but I'm not mad at it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you wanna if you wanna like put on a president's mask and go rob a bank, I ain't mad at it, but yeah. I ain't glad at it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's amazing. That's two weeks in a row of uh quoting Jay Electronica. Nice. But yeah, you know, Greta like came out of nowhere. It was like definitely a movie you probably would have watched on Movie Pass. Rest in peace, Movie Pass. I don't know if it still exists, but it definitely doesn't exist like it used to. And it's just like, oh, a psychological thriller starring Isabelle Huppert, who's an incredible actress, sure. and Chloe Grace Moretz, and both both just doing doing some weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that that makes me feel like so funny, but yeah, Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace Morris. I don't know why I can't say her name right, but I just for some reason I think I 
I think she's okay. Yeah, she's okay. I have no problem with her. And Neither if you I. have a pro if you have a problem with her, that's not nice. <laughs> it's just not nice. And for some reason I thought she was in that weird zombie movie Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but that's Abigail Breslin. Right, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I apologize for that. It's like yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's trouble every day kind of. Not kind of. That's absolutely sure. what it is. Or you know what? Or also, except, like except you're Shaun making it sound. Yeah, but you're making it sound like it's it's a good movie, and it's not a bad fair, movie. Yeah, but fair, it's true. It's not a bad movie, but it's it's not a good movie. Yeah, I, I I'd have to say bingo on that. And Trouble Every Day is a movie that I do like. Yeah, that's a movie I love. Yeah, I mean, did I have I did I tell you that me and Saskia? I don't know. I think I said this recently, but mm. watch a random ass romantic comedy drama film with Abigail Breslin and Ryan Reynolds and Isla Fisher and Rachel Weisz and Elizabeth Banks called "Definitely Maybe" from two thousand eight. Oh, that, that came up in movie trivia a few weeks ago. That's well, the reason I know, but I, I remember. I remember it coming out. I never saw it. Still haven't seen it. It's really good for what it is. Mm. And I may have talked about it on the show recently. I may not have, but I I could not believe that I was like, I'm having such a good time right now. Nice. I'm just eating I'm just eating all this popcorn and having <laughs> a good day. Um nice. Okay. What's your what's your next movie? My next movie, oh you said Claus of Sils Maria. So uh, I got Evolution by bear with me for a second, Lucille. Heads, Hadzhella, Hadzhella Lovich. Uh-huh. Yes. She's the partner of uh, Gaspar Noé. But uh, she's a much mm-hmm. better, she's a much better filmmaker. Um, more like, more Gaspar Noé, more, more, more like Gaspar Noé, will I ever watch another one of your movies? <laughs> yeah, the first 25 minutes of Climax is cool, but we're not here to talk about that. I don't got so it had so so it had its climax at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it uh, it climaxed too soon. <sighs> but uh, man, um, evolution evolution is a movie that is unlike anything I can really think of, at least in recent years. Uh, as far as a basic skeletal plot, it's this school ran by a bunch of young women who do experiments on young boys. Um, but then one of the boys at this kind of facility starts to realize something fishy is going on. So you have like, it's science fiction, kind of horror, a little bit of noir and coming of age. Um, and I think this movie is just amazing. Like I, it's, I I can't gush enough, uh, about it. It's very creepy and very beautiful and just one of a kind. And I, I guess I should have. It used to be. It was on. It was on Netflix for a very long time. I don't think it is anymore. But you can stream it just about anywhere. You can get it on 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 YouTube, iTunes, wherever. If you haven't checked, it, it was one of those movies that like flew un, under the radar. It fell victim to kind of how some smaller films at festival season do, where it comes out festival season towards the end of the year, and then it gets released like early, early, early the next year, and it just gets buried. But. uh me and there's like a small handful of people who really love this movie and just kind of praise its brilliance. So, Evolution. Highly recommended. 
Yeah, I've actually never seen it. It's I'm not so good. Lie. You, 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 you. I, I, uh, I'm pretty sure you would really like it. I'm open, you know. Like I like. You never know. Or what do you got? Okay, uh, my next movie is Clown. Oh hell yeah! Movie that now, I wouldn't have known about had it been for you. Clown by Mikhail Norgard is is a movie that's based that is apparently based off of a TV series, but I've never saw the TV series. I don't have Denmark Television, mm-hmm. but it's just. It's just a road movie. It's a funny movie, but it's also got a lot of heart. It's not appropriate. It's definitely... They tried to make an American version, and they're like, oh, wait, we're not going to be able to no, do that. No, they won't. I, you know, I got to say, you know, this movie made me... Re- like D- Danish humor is a little risque sometimes. Like, what they think is, it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, that, you couldn't, that, that couldn't find other places. But what makes it so even funnier is how... Matter of factly, this type of Danish humor is. It's like wholesome and dark, which is an odd mix and so amazing when it's done right. So I, I, right, I definitely thank you for putting me up to this. Because so. it, it's a mainstream movie yeah. for Denmark. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but some of the content is like really out there. Yeah. Outrageous. Outrageous movie. And... It's like basically to prove to prove that someone is mature, these guys go on a road trip to essentially get there to get a young boy a Hess truck. Yeah. Is the simplest way to explain it. But things ensue. Hilarity, yeah. be, hilarity being one of those things, but other stuff too. That just like it's, this movie. It's not even like oh, this movie's totally messed up. But as I watch, I'm like, it wait, is. what? It but is. it's like it so is. many times. Wait, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Wait, 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 what? Like it just kind of yeah. No, it is, it is, but it also has a heart. Oh, a thousand percent, no question. Oh man, this is a great list of movies we got going so far, man. Absolutely, and we're um, not even done. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling ahead and I'm seeing all this, all this. Oh yeah, this was a great decade. God damn it! This really was. Um, and you know, another another movie that I think I just want to give a little love to that I think you talked about earlier this this episode or two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, two episodes. Last episode, I don't know. Um, you know, Entrance really was a lovely movie, and I'm gonna continue to ride for for. Dallas and Patrick until until I don't need to until they have millions of dollars and they're eating foie gras sandwiches if they want to if they don't want to that's okay as well hell yeah I mean I'll still ride for them <clears throat> when they get to a point that um they 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 they, they deserve just recently they uh the scoop of horror no one deserves anything people earn things in this world well then they've earned my Deservant, whatever the word is, but just recently, the horror community on Twitter, they do a lot of these watch along movies. And the other day, they were watching, they were doing a watch along with Southbound, 
and I thought it was cool, and it was like some people's first time discovering this movie, and I was kind of tweeting along occasionally, like, yeah, this movie's great, Patrick Horvath, Horvath Dallas Hallam, they're awesome. So, good for them, and, and we hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll get more projects. Yeah, just because everybody, you know, like, if, when everyone can feed off of the Leviathan. Ha! Which is a movie I mentioned earlier. Exactly. I got you, bro. Um, all right. Why don't you, why don't you grab a movie? All right. My next movie, uh, within the top tier category is, uh, Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret. And I, I just now realized this is my second, uh, Kenneth Lonergan film. I mentioned Manchester by the Sea earlier, but, uh, Margaret is his sophomore feature, um, about an accident slash disaster that happens. And it's the whole idea of this film is just kind of seeing, it's the, what I love about this movie. It's kind of the idea of like co-opting other people's pain, kind of for attention and make yourself feel important. You know, th- this movie was made in two thousand. Wow, this movie was made in like two thousand eight, but didn't get released till like many years later. Um, there were just a lot of production issues. But I, I have to believe that Kenneth Lonergan had nine eleven in in the back of his head because I remember. I was in Virginia when 9-11 happened, but I, I went back to, to, to New York eventually, and and Scott, you were there, so I know you know what I'm talking about, and a lot of people know what I'm talking about, that like something happened to 9-11, and someone's far away, and it's just like, I knew a guy that went to high school with a guy that knew a guy that went to high school who was near the towers in 9-11, and then they tried to kind of make it seem like they were there, and, and it's like sometimes their heart's in the right place. All they're trying to do is just like express empathy and and compassion but then some selfish people kind of make it about them when it literally has nothing to do about them so i think that's why i love margaret so much um stars matt damon uh anna paquin um well i'm 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 forgetting some some other folks but it's a really really good movie yeah i think and maggie it's margaret it's definitely better than manchester by the sea same director yeah, no, wait, I said that already. Wait, what? Um, and <laughs> yeah, Sorry. I said it's the second film by Kenneth Lonegrin. Well, on the list. Not, every, not everybody knows, like, that he also directed, you know, Manchester, Manchester by, the, by sea. the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving you an alley-oop, my friend. Cool. D-Way um, to LeBron. Uh, yeah, I don't know which one I'm there, and uh, I'm I'm not even I'm not touching that. Anyways, um, so about nine eleven, uh, one a good friend of mine was almost in that movie, but he wasn't. Um, that's what. Yeah, I guess that's not that good of a story. And in fact, I just realized, and this is messed up. He wasn't almost in Margaret. He just told me Margaret was a really good movie that I should watch. There he was go. almost in the. He was almost in the future. The the second movie. Oh, the Miranda July wow. movie? Yeah. Wait, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I want to do a podcast on why you mix those two movies up. Just just to hour a, talk that, about that cuz Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of potential there in in me trying in me explaining why I mix those two movies up. And uh my friend who was almost in the future uh, went to Stuyvesant High School, and Stuyvesant High School is a couple blocks from 9/11. So 
him him and him and a couple friends of mine were there saw saw the crash saw saw it happen and also had to go to school as their school became a triage center you know so and there are there people that try to steal valor and say that they were there or make it different than they were of course yeah um for several reasons and i also want to say that I actually wasn't in New York on 9-11. Oh, were you in Delaware is, at the time? I was thinking that as I was... I I was in Delaware ah, well. during that time. And it was... and Because I don't want to... Again, talking about stolen valor, I don't want to... I don't want to pretend something that isn't. And um, it was. it's weird to be a New Yorker that wasn't there for 9-11. But I wasn't. Uh, I was... I was at a CD store trying to buy The Blueprint and Michael Jackson's Invincible because oh, wow. both of those albums came out that day. That's true. And that, that, that is also true. Yes. And and people at the CD store are saying, yo, I heard this shit that's crazy. And then I spent all day trying to call my family and find out if they were okay. Um, and yeah, Stolen Valor is a real thing. You ever heard that term? Stolen valor is a real thing. No, but I've heard the term stolen valor. No, have you heard the term stolen valor? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Margaret. That's a good. That's a good movie. That's that. That makes sense. It's in your top tier. I only saw it, um, not that recently ago. So I didn't feel like I could put it on my top tier list and feel authentic. Sure. Because I just I want to be as authentic as possible. Oh, and um, episode one twenty nine is the episode where we have Patrick and Dallas of Entrance on. Check that out, and 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 they'll be back in in, in future time. Back. So, what uh, what do you got? I've got um, Cemetery of Splendor oh. by Joe. Oh man! All right. Because I know Uncle Boon Me, who forgets his past lives, is probably going to be on your list. It's a pretty safe bet. I guess. You know? I don't really like that movie. Yeah, you're... you're. That's just not true. That's, that's like one that's of your favorite... That's one of yeah. your favorite movies. You're right. So, and Uncle Boon Me gets a lot of praise. And it deserves its praise. It's an excellent movie. Yeah. But... Something about Cemetery of Splendor has me revisit it. And I don't watch movies more than once a lot. Right. And I don't watch all of Cemetery of Splendor a lot. There's just like scenes about it. Oh, yeah. I do like, that. We all do that. Yeah. That's not true. Like not everybody just revisits scenes of movies. Like that's that's like, you know, that's like saying when music nerds are like, I really like to return to this trumpet solo off of John Coltrane's 14th Japanese LP. Don't you? And you'll be like, uh, sure. Yeah, of course yeah. I do. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that's something that everybody does. But there's, there's a real, there's this real, there's a lot, there's so much artistry to Joe's films. There's, the, the the narrative structure, the colors, the storyline. He makes movies as only he could. There's no one like him. 
And I'm interested in to see the school of Thai directors and directors, period, that are inspired by him. He's someone I feel and, like every single movie, he's one of those, he's not the, obviously the only, but he's one of those, the best examples of a director where I feel like every single one of his movies from any period all takes place within the same exact universe. Like Cemetery, Cemetery of Splendor is happening up the road from Uncle Boon Me. Uncle Boon Me is happening 10 minutes away from the story of Blissfully, Blissfully Yours. Tropical Maladay is right down the street. Like they're all, it's all like, to me, it feels like the same timeline Ev, 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 everything and, and and for more than just obvious reasons but yeah yeah it's just it's just this beautifully sculpted magical realist environment and this movie is sort of about a sleeping sickness and light mm-hmm. and you just watch it yeah that's all I gotta say about that one cool man you should just watch it I, I, I agree um Next, I got uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <clears throat> Just um, great, great action film. Um, I remember not even really being like excited about it when it got announced, when I saw the trailer. I do remember like, oh, I'll check this out. I'll see it. But then when I saw it in the theater, like, you know, that, that opening sequence, it was just like, oh, shit. And then by the time the movie was over, I felt like I had just sat through just like a 45 minute movie. But yeah. it's over two hours, and I was—I just remember like the credits started rolling. And I was like, "Wait, oh, the movie's over! Damn, that was fast, but in a good way." So, it was fast and furious. Yeah, the road, starting, uh, starring Fast and Furious alum Charlize Theron. <clears throat> Did you know she's what, from what's... South Africa? <laughs> That's funny. I get that. I get yeah. that joke. So, um, what do you mean a joke? She's really from South Africa. It's no jokes here. I, uh huh. I mean, she is from South Africa. That's true. <laughs> what's what? So, um, one, the Fast and Furious series is so bizarre, and like the first four movies is like its first like two movies is its own universe. Then the Tokyo Drift happens, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Fuck it." You know, and let's like bring, let's bring rock. them back, but let's forget about the Tokyo Drift guys. But let's bring no them the back. Tokyo. The Tokyo oh, he does. Drift he does come back. Actually, he does come back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. the the one of the main characters in the Tokyo Drift movies becomes a main character in the, in the other series. You're right. And the main character from the Tokyo Drift movies is starts showing up in the most recent movies, and there's also a spinoff right. with 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 the Rock and. What's his face? Statham. The tough, the tough British guy, and um, who who they made a remake of the mechanic with him, and they took away the major conceit of that movie, and it's not as good because yeah. because in the original mechanic, like the conceit of it is like it's this lonely guy who's tired of being a hitman because being a hitman sounds like the loneliest job ever. Sure, and that's with uh, Charles Bronson, and yeah. then the remake is like Jason Statham being like. I'm just a mechanic and I kill people and it's yeah. not the same as it's just and there's like a sequel and shit. There's, it's yeah. also famous the original mechanic no one talks for a very very long time for like at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I don't remember what the the, the, the minute count is but it, it was very unconventional for a very long time no one says anything. 
which which is not unconventional in non-action movies, but in an American action movie. Sure. And also, and also, Charles Bronson was getting older, and it was a movie where he could still be an, a star and do action, and not like do a lot of kicking and punching. Yeah. It's a good movie. I re I rewatched it last summer. Absolutely. Uh, the Charles Bronson movie. Yeah, not, yeah. I know what you mean. Not the Jason Statham movie, but. The Fast and Furious movies, by the time they decided that they didn't care anymore and, like, The Rock is body-slamming torpedoes, yeah. it, it's in, it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun series. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the, the last few Fast and Furious movies are better than the last few Star Wars movies. There, I said it. Okay. Anybody got a problem with that? <laughs> you got to argue with me as well because I, I, I don't see what the problem with that statement is, but whatever. And uh, Mad Max Fury Road is on my list as well. And while my favorite George Miller movie is Babe 2, Pig in the City, Fight Me. Um, you know, you could say that... So there's another movie on my list. But So in Mad Max Fury Road, you always wondered what a two and a half hour car chase would look like. And they answer the question. Sure. And And how it would look like if it was done by George Miller. And... You're able, and Mad Max becomes less of a, less of the star because the character of Mad Max makes more sense in the '80s. Makes less sense now. Sure. So by make so by making the character making him less of a star of the movie and just like a plot point for the story to start, you get a new series, and you could almost say that the the cars they're driving in. Mad Max Fury Road were holy. You could say that they were holy motors, if you will. Oh, snap. And um, the reason why I'm saying holy motors by Leo Carax, which is on my list as well, is that Babe Pig in the City is, is sort of where Mad Max Fury Road and holy motors meet. Explain. No. I won't. Actually, fine. Don't actually. I, I. That's fair. I remember in the early aughts, um, I explained like around two thousand two. The Flaming Lips and Outcast became the same artist for two seconds, and then they moved on. And people would be like, "Explain," and they'd be like, "No. You either get it or you don't." Uh, I'll mull that one over. <clears throat> I, I, I think about that. I'll mull that one over myself. Is Holy Motors by uh, is Holy Motors on your list? It is. Uh, I mean, if you want, I could just jump to that. And that that's what I think want, we should. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's just let's. So yeah, I mean, honestly, you said. I like what you said about Holy Motors. I'm not going to say too much either because I like the elusiveness of that movie and, and the mysteriousness of it. I will say this though. I just want to say one little thing when I say jump ahead. I didn't really rank most of these. I can't rank sixty something movies, but the, the there's a couple here that are are a little bit ranked. Holy Motors was was that was closer to the top of the top tier, but it's at this point it's like just splitting hairs. Easily. It's just kind of yeah. But for me, I, I don't really want to split hairs. It's like it's one of the best mo mo movies of the decade. Um, it mixes just surreality, kind of realism, because this movie part of this movie was just doubled as at one point Leo Karash was supposed to make the transition to American filmmaking 
and and one of the stories is loosely about that and it's just you know he he's another guy too where when holy motors came out it was similar to terrence malick and the, the the big deal that people were making about his return with tree of life and that leo karash hadn't made a movie since 1999 so he he made a couple of short films he wasn't like a hermit but this was his first feature film in 13 years so it was kind of a big deal within his lane so um it's it's pretty yeah, crazy to, to make a return after thirteen years and deliver like an awesome movie. That's that's. And he did one that. movie after that, and he hasn't done a movie since. And his next movie has been is basically like ten years in the making. Um, you know, musical for Amazon starring Adam Driver and Marlon Cotillard. So. Uh, and Mark Hamill is in it as is Kylie Minogue. Yeah. It, it's a cool, weird cast. Right, and Kylie Minogue is in is Holy in Motors. Holy Motors. Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about what Holy Motors is about. Yeah, it's just a good. It's just a very. It's a magical film. Absolutely. And and it does rank higher on my list as well. It just seemed like talking about Babe Two, Pig in the City, and um, Fury Road that it made sense to talk about these Holy Motors. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um. So. Uh. I'm I'm just going to go to my next one. Cool. Which is the Disney Pixar film Inside Out, directed by Pete Docter and co-directed by Ronnie Del Carmen. Nice. Now, Pixar has made... They figured out how to make 3D animation movies just take your heart and run with it. There's... They make a lot of good movies. They make a lot of beautiful movies. They make a lot of movies that really know how to make you feel stuff like we could do a whole episode about pixar movies i don't think we're going to because i just don't really feel like it but movies like uh movies like inside out or toy story 3 or ratatouille they're just they just take a concept and make you feel bigger than what's going on yeah and what's special about inside out is I never knew that you could remake the 90s comedy sitcom Herman's Head into a cartoon and really make people feel all the feelings. It's about a young girl who's grappling with moving and feeling emotions and her her four basic emotions are played by different characters inside her head mm-hmm. and the happy emotion doesn't want this person to feel pain it's like being like no don't be upset don't be upset don't be upset so i think this movie does a brilliant job of telling children that it's okay to be upset when the facts check out so if you move out of town and you miss your friends it makes sense to be upset and telling a child not to be upset when that is happening creates unhealthy coping strategies moving forward sure you know, when I'm if I'm crying because I didn't get pizza, I'm like, huh, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I do love pizza, but me crying about it, that doesn't let me check the facts here. But if I'm crying because I miss somebody who passed away, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so often we tell kids not to be upset and that I don't think that's healthy. So... As a, as a ther- therapy positive 
podcast. I just think this this movie is truly amazing and does a very good job. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, and I feel like I could talk about this movie kind of, but not, but kind of at the same time as you know what I was going to bring up next uh, is Toy Story three. Uh, oh yeah, both Pixar oh, yeah. films, both you know, tug at the heartstrings. Um, I, I, I will say, you know, for years I made such a big deal about the ending of Toy Story 3 being like, oh, this is the craziest, best part. But it's like not necessarily because the, I'm using air quotes, the villain of Toy Story 3, Lot, Lotso Bear, is kind of not the villain when you really, because, you know, the, the movie takes time to like show his story, why he is the way he is, gives him yeah. emotion, and it's just like, hey, he was a toy that was just kind of left behind, and it just made him... It, it, it's his origin story. It's like, you know, his Joker story, except really good, as opposed to... It's fine. So, I, I, I to, to me, Toy Story 3 and Inside Out make a great du- du- double feature. And it makes me happy. It may, It's movies like this. Like, obviously, I'm someone I love movies, so I'd want to share movies with, you know the kids that I'd like to have. And these are the kind of movies where it's like, Oh, I'm excited to be a parent. I want to show them this, you know? So, or these rather. Yeah. yeah. If I had a, if I had a VHS collection, the, the Disney movies I'd most excited to, to show my future children is Robin Hood, Toy Story three, inside out Ratatouille, the fantastics, not the fantastics, the adventurers. I don't know. Just like, Try to see, try, but if they didn't like it, that'd be okay too. Yeah, our kids aren't our kids aren't meant to be us. Oh yeah, but definitely. I'm gonna support them in whatever way they are. Yeah. Just hopefully, you know, they're not really into Michael Bay. <laughs> oh damn! It's so funny you say that. I, I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll be quick. It's true what you say. I'm my own person. Like there are certain things that me and my dad just would be at each other's neck about in terms of disagreement but i do find it funny that i am slowly becoming him in terms of like as i get older which is and and i'm not gonna say and anyone but a lot of us certain mannerisms uh body type uh like things i say think things i now believe in that i I didn't so i i I always love that kind of weird paradox of like i'm not my dad because i'm not but then it's also like i'm very similar to him at the same time Right, we really we like. do we do become our parents, whether we like it or not. But we're also ourselves, so yeah. we have our own flavor too. Yeah, very much so. So, it's it's complicated and it's not. Yeah, and I'm not exactly. saying that I'm not I'm not saying that like my dad didn't inspire my taste. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I didn't like everything he liked, and he certainly didn't understand half of the shit that I like. Same. Same, very same. I'll never forget trying to play him the Adam Sandler cassette. They're all gonna laugh at you because I was so excited to show to share that with him because uh-huh. he was like, he was like, "Why are you laughing so much in the back in your Walkman?" Yeah. And I was like, "Well, at summer camp there was this cassette, and it, and we were listening to it, and we were just laughing so hard because it was the funniest thing." Yeah. And I played it for him, and he was like, "This isn't funny." Huh, yeah, I've had those moments with my dad. He was like, "What? That's not that's not funny that they're gonna laugh at you." He's just using a weird voice. Yeah. Turns and out your like, dad was right. 
Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I tried to listen to that album again recently. Yeah. And it, it doesn't hold up. I'm sure it doesn't. I got made you fun know. of in fucking junior high for not like, I was just like, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. I'm with your dad on this one. Straight up. And have been since day one. Yeah, it's like you got you you and my dad were texting in the nineties, be like, yo, don't tell Scott this this album yeah, sucks. I know. Um look, man, I I was as I got older, I changed. Oh, we all do. So Yeah. So I mean that um, so that that was my transition to Toy Story 3. So technically that was kind of my turn. Uh do you want to say what your yeah. next next movie is? I'm going to say two movies cuz they're they both have the the word blue in them. Oh, oh snap. Oh, oh, okay. Blue Ruin by Jeremy Saulnier mm-hmm. and Blue Valentine by Derek Chien France. I said wow. their last names incorrectly, I'm sure. Yeah. Um but Blue Valentine um, came out as I was having a really rough breakup Mm. and I hadn't seen a movie. There aren't a lot of movies that deal with a breakup from the male point of view Mm -hmm. that that do it in a way that's like tender and and doesn't try to make anybody look good. No one looks good in Blue Valentine. It's just a sad movie. Agreed. Like it, even though it's the point of view of Ryan Gosling's character as um, Michelle Williams is sort of just not over her past. Both of them, neither of them look great. And it's just, it's just a, that movie's relentless and beautiful. And that dude tried to, you know, capture magic in a bottle with the place beyond the pines. And that, that movie is like part of it's good. I was going to say, damn, I was just thinking about that movie yesterday because I wrote about it a long time ago and I was rereading it back and I was kind of patting myself on the back at how accurate my description was. And basically it's just like, it's the best disappointing movie of the past decade in that I've watched that movie so many times and it frustrates me, but there's also just nuggets throughout that that are like really, really great. It's messy right. it, and it, I, I like messy it's movies. It's messy. It's an epic it is. And it did. It didn't need to be. That's all huh. I can say. Yeah. Or, or it could have been. Or, or they could have dealt with it longer. Like I was just gonna say, I don't know if it's it, it. It 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 got scared of being an epic. It almost went there, yeah. and then it got scared. So yes, yeah, so just stop being scared. Just go for it. Yeah. Show show maybe show. <clears throat> exactly. Maybe show those like fifteen years or sixteen years that just got skipped. Or, yeah. you know, because I, <clears throat> it did a total Children of Men move. I like that a character gets killed off like 40 something minutes in. And you're just like, wait, what? Where's this going? Uh, just like Julianne Moore, you know, in Children of Men. And that, I was already in it. And then when that thing happened, I was like, oh, this, I'm, in, I'm in it even more now. And then it just kind of like, ah, what, what's happening? Um, so. Yeah. And it's a movie. Yeah. It's just, it just didn't work. But, I'm interested in seeing the, his, his his new movie though the the Riz Ahmed drummer movie, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then the next movie is uh, Blue Ruin by Jeremy Saulnier, and 
I know you and I are not in agreement about this movie, but it's just Whatever. this really moving, sad revenge story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this this guy tries to figure out what's going on with his family and everything falls to pieces and it's messy. Sure. And and I just you know, if a movie makes me feel like shit for a week, I I'm like, oh, okay. And I think this is his best movie. Um Green I will Room, agree with that. Green Room was was alright and that other one stop doing that. Stop it. You know. <laughs> that that was that was not great. Not at all. Good cast too. I think that's what annoyed me the most. All right, where are you at? Uh, I am at a movie that uh, is should be a little higher, but whatever. Uh, Entertainment. I love this movie so much. Rick Alverson's Entertainment, rather. Sorry. Um, It's a weird, dark comedy road movie that it's just an existential road movie slash character study about a stand-up comedian who has a persona that he plays on stage portrayed by a real person uh greg turkington who who has a persona 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 that that he plays on stage so it's like it's like enigma wrapped in enigma yeah and this is i have specific lanes of movies that i like so i like the dreamy terrence malikian style i like the persona influenced like world of hal hartley yorgos lanthimo and then i also like these kind of like odd awkward Adult swimish, Tim and Eric related, uh, dark, funny yet depressing kind of films, and I feel like if I were to make a movie, entertainment is the kind of movie that I would I, I, I would make, I would want to make. So, Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I I very much stand by that. I I will tell you that I recommended entertainment to five people, mm-hmm. and four of them were like, I turned this shit off twenty minutes in. Sounds like fuck you. I've had some. I've had a similar experience. I think it's it's been more than four or five people, but same thing. Four people literally were mad at me and and turned the movie off. Except like they were like, "Oh, I want a surrealist movie that's kind of funny and kind of dark and is artsy." And I was like, "What else do you want?" Like, okay, bet. Like Greg Turkington, who is who also plays the character. Neil Hamburger, who also plays the character Greg Turkington, I know, because he so he plays the character Greg Turkington in in the universe of cinema on cinema, yeah, which is which is which is like several TV shows and a movie, Mister America. It's a universe where he plays a version of himself, yeah. Greg Turkington, and we've gone on many times about how much we love that universe, yeah, and so he plays that. Then he also plays a character named Neil Hamburger. And in this movie, he plays a separate version of Greg Turkington and a separate version of Neil Hamburger. Yeah. (laughs) So he plays Greg Turkington playing Neil Hamburger. Right. As as he loses his mind going on the road and as he's trying to connect with his daughter, who may or may not exist. And it's just... it's rough and it's it's my favorite Rick Albertson movie easily I just don't yeah. know if it's on my it's not it's not my favorite movie it's a good movie 
Sure. And there, there's a bathroom scene with Michael Sarah, which is really outrageous. Right. The movie's outrageous, and and it's it's exactly it's exactly what you think it's going to be yeah. when described. And it's like if if you didn't like the comedy, you're probably not going to like entertainment. Hell no. But that's not that's not that's not completely true because I uh. I don't love I don't love the comedy, and I like entertainment. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I can't speak for you. I just feel like, though, uh, how do I say this without sounding like insulting? I just think the look of entertainment is just, it just looks better. It's a better looking film. It, Absolutely. It's, it, it's more beautiful. So I think it's kind of easier to like entertainment more than the, than, than, than the comedy. Maybe for others, for that reason. And but the it's one also person, less mean. The comedy is a mean. It's about a mean person. The comedy is abs- Yeah, but it's it, it, its vibe mean. itself is also very mean. It's not just the character. The movie itself is—it's—it's it's, it's a mean film. Where this movie has this movie's more desperate and sad. yeah, I tell you, yeah, it's like heart. It's heartbreaking and Greg. Yeah, Greg Turkington, um just like he captures you because he's sad and even though like. He does the stuff that his comic character does. Like Neil Hamburger is this offensive comedian Mm -hmm. who is like legendary, legendary. And um, he's not like likable and they don't try to make you like him. But I will say the one person who I recommended the movie to who liked the movie, loved the movie. And now, so that's really all I can all I can hope for. Yeah, man. How many how many more movies do you have on your list? Let's see. Uh I have a few, but I was going to group uh the last two together. 1 2 3 4 well, 5. Actually, you know what? No, 6, sorry. But so 5 because I'm grouping two of them together. We already brought up Holy Motors. Um so um but I'll, but I can breeze through. How, so how many did you say? One, two, three, four, five, six. But I'm counting two of them as one, so five. Okay, because I ha- so I have three left. Okay, so um, I I can jump to the, I, I, I I can jump to the two I'm going to group in so we can kind of even us out. Okay, as much as possible. So these two movies are just kind of. Outside of this podcast, outside of us, people who are in this world of Carlos Rigatis and Apicha Pong were a set to call, a.k.a. Joe, which I still don't get. But um, these two you movies... really don't get? I, I, sure. But um, the, these are two movies that are just kind of have been synonymous with each other for this whole decade. A lot of big essays and reviews. When one, it's about one, the other film gets mentioned and vice versa. So it's my two fav- num- favorite movies of the decade is uh, Post Tenebris Lux and Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives. Um, even though the stories are different, the 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 tone, the vibe, the ambiance, it's like the, these two movies, they're each their own thing, but they're very similar. It's like, you know, it's like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest. They're sister wives of each other. Very much so. And they both on TLC. Um, no, but um, yeah, th- th- these are two movies that are just very personal. The, uh, uh, Uncle Boon Me for... Reasons mostly that have to do with kidney disease, kidney transplantation, uh, watching you know a parent go, go through that, just like we watch uh, 
the title character and Uncle Boomy go through dialysis and whatnot, just like I watch Watch My Dad. It's like what I appreciate so much is that the movie is very artistic, super weird, but when it comes to stuff like changing a dialysis bag or putting in the tubes and whatnot, they, they, it's just very like procedural and, and matter of factual. Mm-hmm. So I like that mix of like, whoa, this movie is weird. It's also funny in parts, but then when it gets to the medical stuff, it's very just like factual and and and, and just on point. And then, you know, Post and Ever Slux is just, um, it, it, it's, it's a million things in one. It's about, you know, yeah. man's jealousy. It's about family. It's about miscommunication in, in marriage, um, dreams, sur- surreality. It, I think that movie, as far as on film, is the closest you get to a dream. I mean, I love, David Lynch is one of my favorite filmmakers, and people always talk about it. his movies are like weird dreams, but I feel like Post and Ever Slux no. is, is closer because it's like in dreams, when someone, like, even if you have, like, a vivid dream and you tell it back to someone, you still can't remember ev- 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 everything and how you got from one point to the next. Dreams are dreams are much less structural. Yeah. That was my, that was my trouble with Inception. I was like, yeah, this is cool, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this isn't this isn't what a dream looks like. No, like in, like, in Post and Everest Looks, we're, like, in this family's house in Mexico, and in the very next scene, we're, like seven years ahead with the same family and they're at a family reunion and it's like and then you almost want to rewind back it's like wait a minute how, how did we get here just like in a dream where it's like you're somewhere and then like you blink and then the next minute you're like wait we're somewhere completely different so i i, yes. I love that so and regarding uncle boon me like you know i'm i'm the son of a dialysis patient yeah. so i remember in the sixth grade I was not doing well in a science class. So to 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 do well, I sort of I made a I made a report about dialysis that explained what it was. Mm-hmm. And I also did a video where like I showed dialysis like I went to cuz I would go with my dad to the dialysis center every once in a while to keep him company. Mm-hmm. Cool. I would yeah, I mean, you know, you know what it's like. It when you're dealing with someone in dialysis, there's ups and downs. They might be tired for an entire week. Yeah. And so you you want to catch them when they're in, when they're in a good mood and not take it personally when they're not. So a, a good time to catch my dad was right after dialysis. So I would I would go with him to the city and I would hang out with him as it started and then I would go walk around the city and smoke cigarettes and listen to cassettes and then come back towards the end and then we'd have dinner and that was a way that we could bond and you know I did that in you know every once in a while until until he passed away yeah oh, I didn't expect to talk about that today oof yeah yeah, <sighs> yeah. just is what it is uh all right you finally finally caught me crying on the podcast so anyways uh Whew. I remember showing that on a pod, on the video in class, and people were like, "Oh shit, you you this is disgusting." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's my dad." Yeah, yeah. And uh, so to see that in a movie was just strangely comfortable. Huh. That's wow. That's uh. You know what I mean? I, I I I do. I didn't personally feel that way, but it makes sense. That's okay. When, when, it makes sense when you say it. So, because also like, my dad's been gone for like twenty some years, so it's like, 
it brought me back. And sometimes you get brought back to stuff that you're not excited to go back to. Yeah. yeah. Nostalgia isn't always the nice things. Nostalgia is sometimes as much as people the, try to make it otherwise, it's not just good things. So yeah, it's why it's why I always it's why I always say that like even though I work with it sometimes, nostalgia is not where I like to be because it gets painful real quick, man. Yeah. Uh, so if you could just start talking for a second, so yeah, so I could just I, uh, collect myself. Yeah, you know, I think I may just jump ahead to another movie to really even us out because I've said all I have to say, and so it's so of you, especially about un- un- Uncle Boon Me. So I'm gonna jump to. Uh, I'm gonna so Mike Lee's Another Year is um, you know, if you listen to this to these episodes, which is very this 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 particular one is very long, I brought up the fact that how certain movies, actually like Uncle Boon Me, which came out in 2010 or kind of 2011, get forgotten about because, you know, they, they were at the start of the decade and then by the time you get to 2019, you know, they kind of get forgotten about. And, and, and I feel like Another Year is a movie that has been forgotten about to, to some degree, but I think this movie is like... Its execution is perfect. I mean, the goings on in this film are not perfect, but the act, but the movie itself is is very perfect. And I think it's been you know for someone who had a previous two decades like Mike Lee did the eighties and you know two thousand through two thousand ten, Mike Lee was just killing it. And then afterwards, he just kind of after Happy Go Lucky, he started working a little less and putting out less stuff. And you know, another year, which just focuses on. Um, this husband and wife, they're they're much older. They have, you know, a son who's in his 30s. We follow him in his dating scene. And they have a friend who, uh, played by Le- Le- Leslie Manville, who I guess at this point everybody knows as the assistant from The Phantom Thread. But it's just kind of this kind of day-to-day life of, of a family, the ups and downs, uh, depression, uh, issues with siblings, issues with your children. It's just, it really is kind of like, it's a family film. But not like in a in, in a Disney PG way. It's just like this stuff happens with family, especially when when when, when you're an adult and when, and when you're older, and just all the stuff you have to deal with when someone passes away. You have to deal with someone's will, uh, or the good stuff. You have a son who you know he's in his 30s and he's been struggling a lot to like find someone, and then he finds someone, and then you're about to be a grandparent. It's just literally it, it, it's just kind of everything, the good and bad that 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 comes along with family. So yeah. I don't really here I, I feel like sometimes it's almost like people jump from happy-go-lucky in 2008 to mr turner in 2014 and this great film that mike lee made in 2010 called another year gets almost like forgotten about so i highly recommend checking it out or revisiting it or just giving it the attention that it, it deserves because it's kind of been forgotten about as, as far as i see it in in my opinion so yeah another year Yes, and I'm just going to, um, I just want to say that I'm going to go, This these last three movies on my list are the toppest of the tier for me, I think. Cool. Um, but because this is my number two movie of the decade, but, but I have three movies left. Um, this is my number two movie of the decade and my favorite movie of the year that came out, and I think it's a little... Um, it makes sense after talking about what I was talking about when we were talking about Uncle Boon Me is the 
dark comedy masterpiece, The Killing of a Sacred Deer by nice. Yargos Lanthimos. Cool. Also, now, also it was on mine, so another another one where, where, where we match up. So I went to see that movie with my friend Patrick, who I talk about on the show sometimes, and mm-hmm. we're watching this movie, and he sees me like just laughing and smiling and giggling and it's it's a very dark movie yeah but at the core of the story is oh you saw that with me also no i I didn't see killing of no i didn't see killing of sacred deer with you you met up with me after therapy that's to, to uh to to the lincoln center amc that's a different movie no, I promise. I'm not trying to take away. I'm, you saw it with your friend, obviously, but you, de- you no, it was definitely. Uh but yeah, but go ahead. We've seen a. We've no. We went to. We went to see um, at the Lincoln Center AMC. We went to see the the Disaster Artist, and we also saw Unsane. No, this was in the evening. But anyway, go ahead. It, it's not important. Oh, we we did also see The Shape of Water. At the uh, these are all movies we've seen. I at vaguely remember. I don't even. I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that movie until you. Said That's it. fair. I'm just but, saying we've. I don't. I don't remember seeing this movie with you. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. Go ahead. So at the core of its movie, at the core of it, at the core of it, this movie is about a young man who takes revenge on the doctor who is probably responsible for the death of his father. Mm-hmm. And this is done in truly dark, comedic fashion in that Yargos Lanthimos style, where people talk very matter-of-factly, people talk with a strange accent, with a strange emotion, with a strange affect. Um, Did I ever, did you ever end up seeing um, uh, The Art of Self-Defense? No, still haven't seen it. Well, as I call that movie like Fight Club if it was made by Lanthimos, but also like not as good as what that description is. But oh wow, Lanthimos has birthed a lot of style of like matter of fact, like storytelling that I think to which he is a student of himself. Of course, yeah, of course. I'm I'm not suggesting. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. No, um, I'm saying otherwise. Yeah. And so I'm watching this movie, and Patrick is watching me laugh and giggle, and I'm smiling the entire fucking time, yeah. like a lunatic, which has only happened once since one once as as a, a young adult where I smiled and laughed the entire time at a dark comedy, and that was Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> nice. I watched that in the theater. And my friend Gordon was confused, like, yo, you were laughing the entire time. I was like, yo, sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. Sometimes it bees like that. And I I just relate to this character. I'm not happy that I relate to this character, but I do, and it is what it is. Sure. And and then after watching after watching Punch Drunk Love, we snuck into the film Brown Sugar and it was a good double feature. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Uh, and but anyways, so we're we're watching the killing of a sacred deer, and afterwards we're getting ice cream, 
And he's like, yo, you know why you love this movie so much, right? And I was like, no. And he was like, really? You haven't thought about it? He was like, think about it. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, my father passed away due to hospital malpractice. And there was probably a time as a teenager where I had a vision of wanting to hurt the doctor who did who did that. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I don't expect this movie to rank as high as it does for me as it does for other people. Sure. And that's and that's the point that I'm trying to make with these lists is that these lists are deeply personal. Absolutely. Thousand percent. Like the reason why this movie connects to me on a visceral level is not going to connect to everybody. But I imagine for young men who lost their fathers to hospital malpractice, this movie is going to have like a sort of satisfaction to it. Yep. You know what I mean? I know. I absolutely know what you mean. So, yeah, that's that's my spiel for why why this movie is so good. Word, man. Um, so, since you brought that up, I'm going to bring up Yorgos Lanthimos' earlier film, which I think is his kind of absolute masterpiece outside of Sacred Deer, and that's Alps. Um, really, you don't <clears> think you don't think Dogtooth is a masterpiece? I'm just. Oh yeah, I guess you know what's weird. I kind of. It's his third. It's his number three masterpiece. I think that movie is good. I think that's also a movie that. Um, this is my problem. No one else's. I think certain specific lot of fans of that movie um, <clears throat> have kind of ruined me li- li- liking it. They just. I think some people like it for the wrong reasons. I think they like to romanticize dysfunctional family. I think that like, oh, this movie's totally messed up, and that's kind of. It's just like empty love. Of, of this movie, but I, I don't want to go into that. That, 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 that was the previous decade. I mean, Dogtooth is, is a masterpiece, but Alps is when I think the current world that we're in now of Yorgos Lanthimos, not so much the favorite, but like the lobster, sacred deer, it all started with Alps. I mean, it's just like a, just the premise alone. It's about these four, uh, EMTs who start a side business where they do stand in and play surrogate to people who have passed away and they give loved ones the chance to say goodbye. Um, which to some degree, like that's weird and unethical, but then on another hand, that actually is, it's like a nice sweet thing to, it's a nice sweet thing to do. And then, you know, I guess the conflict of this movie is that one of the, one of the employees, one of the people that started this business kind of goes too far with with the role and she starts to take on characters too seriously. And then it, it just becomes a mess, but there's so many great, funny moments and even though this movie is greek killing of the sacred deer is english language slash american these are two things that just like i was saying with uh, a picture pong's films both of these movies happen in the same exact universe just like the lobster as well <clears throat> like dog tooth and um oh man i'm forgetting his, his, his first film i'll just keep talking but his first two films were very different and um like I said, I think he really found his stride with with with, with this one. So, um, Kinetta, sorry, his, his his first film, Kinetta. But yeah, I love Alps very 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 much. If if this was going to be ranked, it would be number four be- behind Post and Stocks, Uncle Boomy, Holy Motors, and then Alps. So, yeah, I mean, look, these he he makes good movies. He does, and that's it. He makes good movies. Yep. So, like, even though. Like, The Lobster is my least favorite of his movies, but it's still a movie that I like a lot. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, when when your least favorite movie is still, like, 
one of the best movies of that year that it comes out, yeah. then you're you're working. Um, I realized I I didn't mention the number one movie because I for because I think I said at the beginning of last episode mm-hmm. that that number one with a bullet is is Zama by Lucretia Martel. So spoiler alert, my number one movie is Zama by Lucretia Martel. Nice. It's the best movie of the decade, possibly the best movie of this millennium, possibly the best movie ever made. Oh, and I got nothing else. That. I got nothing else to say about that. Yeah. But this this next movie that hit me in the heart. Um, oh, what's really dope about these last two movies is that we had both of these directors on the show. So that's kind of cool. Awesome. It's pretty cool that we've had many of the directors of the movies that we've had that we've talked about on our show. And and there's we we have some possibly exciting news coming up too. So yeah. <clears throat> that's pretty exciting. And also like shout out to friend of the show and to May Gantz, short films, White Face and Spit. You should watch them. They're incredible. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm in both of them. I score both of them. I'm biased. And go watch him. Work. So this movie, um, A Dark Song, Liam Gavin. Yeah. One of the reasons that I hold this so high is because I want more people to see it. It is one of the most brilliant horror magic movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's it's grief horror. There's very few people in it. It's very intimate and it's basically about a woman who's dealing with the grief of her lost son and and this man helps her to do a magic spell to do something and unlike magic in like sci-fi magic movies it's just like abracadabra and then like fire comes out of your nose hole and shit this like deals with magic from how people who do magic in the real world would do magic. I'm not saying that magic exists in this way. I do believe that magic exists as a concept. Like like what we're doing right now is magic and storytelling is magic and love is magic and movies is magic and smells are magic. But like do I know do I believe that like people can pull fire out of their hands? I don't think so, but sure. <laughs> there's the magic that people talk about in our world is like more like depending on depending on your talking about like western traditions or eastern traditions or african traditions it could be like dealing with paintings or herbs or ingredients or you know but in the western tradition that this movie uses like it talk it's like sigils and recipes and preparing your body and preparing things and which isn't how magic is usually dealt with in movies. So it's like weirdly the most realistic magic movie, if that makes sense. It makes all the sense. Oh, having seen it many times, it makes all the sense in the world. And I think it's a movie that's needed. Um, I appreciate, like you said, I appreciate its, its approach towards what magic is, what, what it can be, what it really is, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of your movie. When I see even people you don't <clears throat> interact with or know or have any connection with on Twitter, I see that those people will like follow me and maybe we'll see zebras or they'll follow other people that I follow that I've tweeted things that you've tweeted. And then it's just, I'm always like, ah, eh, 
That's Scott's movie. Well, I mean, it's, it's, Liam, funny, it's, though. it's Liam Gavin's movie, but it's, it's you know. Yeah. Movie. It's, it's funny because I was on a podcast yesterday that will come out shortly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like someone was like, what's your Twitter? I was like, this is my Twitter, but don't follow me on Twitter. Follow Marcus and follow Zebras. I don't like Twitter. I don't like to be followed. Don't at me. Like, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. So don't even give me credit on Twitter anymore. I don't want it. I'll think about it. Just give credit to Zebras or Marcus. I don't I don't give a shit. I hate it. I hate I hate it. I hate as you can love tell, it. I, I I as you can tell I have a strong opinion about it. So yeah, that's my feeling about Dark Song. You should go see it. Um it's for some reason that, that escapes me, it's not as popular as it should be. Yeah, yeah. Shout out that's to IFC it. Films. You guys put out good stuff. And and we champion the films that that you put out a lot on this podcast. Um, that's that's really true. Uh, so speaking of IFC, a movie that I saw at the IFC Center uh, about a decade ago <clears throat> was Errol Morris's Tabloid. I I feel good, uh, you know, having an Errol Morris film in, in you know in this decade. He's had a weird uh, rest of the decade outside of just um, American Dharma, which we've covered on the show. Great film. He also did B sides a- was dope. What's that? Yeah, no, these sides was cool. Dope. It was cool, and he also, but that's what I was, but that's what I'm talking about. So like, he made B sides, <clears throat> and it did the festival circuit, and then to some degree, in comparison to all his other movies outside of American Dharma, because that's its own monster. B side kind of got buried a little bit, and it's one of like Errol Morris's sweeter films, less cynical, less hard hitting. It's and 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 that's fine. It just because something sweet and nice doesn't mean it's not great, and and that's what I'm saying. Like B sides. Is a film I wish got more exposure so people could see that side of Errol Morris, along with his Netflix uh, film slash docuseries Wormwood, which is just like amazing. Wasn't that Amazon? No, it was Netflix. What's funny about Wormwood is that it was originally going to be based off of this book I just read called Chaos, mm-hmm. um, Tom O'Neill, which is about basically that the CIA may have been involved in the Manson murders. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, but I couldn't stop reading this book. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And Tom O'Neill and and Errol Morris were going to make a movie together about it, but then Errol Morris wanted to focus on different aspects of it. So then they, so then they um, decided not to work together. But there are there's some DNA of chaos in Wormwood. Sure, absolutely. I, it make make makes sense. Yeah. So, um, and wait, was that was that your last film? No. Oh, okay. I have one All right. more. Same. All right. Well, I have I have one more, and you have one more. Yep. Um, which, which do you want to go first? Sure. And you know, I, I I did mention before, but like I'm I'm now going. I you know I went out of order because my number one and two movies just went so well together. So this this is a top tier movie, but it's not my number one favorite of the decade. It is uh, Nuri Bilge Ceylon's Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. It's a very kind of like intentionally long, grueling, yet beautiful film um, about, on the surface, you know, it's about these cops um, and investigators taking a guy who claims to have murdered someone. He's trying to take them to find the body. The only problem is he doesn't exactly know where it is, and it just takes like a whole 24 hours, and you see the frustration that builds slowly by the cops. It's just kind of like, we're out here. It's cold. 
We're in the middle of nowhere. Where the hell did you put this body? Um, but like I said, it, it, it's, it's, it also mixes beauty. There's just as much beauty as there is like grueling kind of like, oh, can we just be done? Can we be done with this? And that's kind of how you feel by the end because that's how the characters in the movies feel. It's just like, can we just be done with this already? Oh my God. And um, it's great. I, I don't think this decade would be complete without a film from him. So that's my, um, that's my final film. And it's one of those movies that you and M. Tume have been telling me to watch forever, and I haven't, and I'm sorry, forgive me. It's all good. No problem. It's, it's not going anywhere. No. And I have, like, every single streaming service right now, so. I think I've said this, but HBO Max is excellent. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. Well, because, like, you have Adult Swim and BBC and and Studio Ghibli and all these old-ass random movies and HBO. Mm-hmm. It's great. Awesome. And yeah. and to the person that lets me use their HBO account, thank you. You know who you are. And my last movie on this list that I haven't talked about is It Felt Like Love by Eliza Hittman. Oh, um, cool. Eliza Hitman, who has been on the show and we've talked about forever. Um, it felt like love is when you were selling it to me, you were like, it's like a Brooklyn welcome to the dollhouse. And <laughs> which is is true, except better. It's better than welcome to the dollhouse, in my opinion, <laughs> because it's Brooklyn and it's so uncomfortable and <laughs> It captures what it's like from to be a listless young person. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a listless young woman in New York. Right. But I can tell you that watching this movie with Sasia created like a sea change in her work. Like her seeing another woman from Brooklyn telling these Brooklyn female stories. Yeah. Gave her power, gave her agency that she was starting to harness. And now like as a photographer and an artist like like she's in the other room doing cool art shit right now i was about to talk about what she's doing but it's none of y'all business yeah <laughs> um but like eliza hitman like she would saskia w- was figuring out her own art and developing and would have continued to develop and be the brilliant artist that she is but when you see people that are a little bit older than you but have an experience like you successful and talking about things that you have never seen someone talk about that's inspiring yeah, yeah. like when i when i was a young kid and like lp was this was this older than me white kid from brooklyn from around the same neighborhood as me talking about social stuff that i knew about i was like whoa okay like Anyone can tell their story. So, and that's why representation matters for everybody. Because when you see people that look like you or sound like you or have come from experiences like you succeed in telling their stories, whether whether it be anybody, it helps you feel less alone. And feeling less alone is a good thing. Sure. Um, and, you know, I was... I was hanging out with Tone Tank and his wife the other day, and he was like, bro, I tried to watch this movie. It was like too, it was too real, bro. Like there was this, (laughs) there was this girl on the beach in Brooklyn and like dudes were being mean to her. 
<laughs> and Sasuke and I were like, oh, it felt like love? And he was like, yeah, that movie was too real. I was like, "That, yep, exactly. Yep. It, um, it is too real. It's very uncomfortable. There are some scenes where you're like, oh, 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 no, 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 no. Please be okay. Please be okay. Please be okay. And something that we forgot to bring up on when we had Eliza on, but we did talk about when the movie came out, is that the boyfriend of the best friend in the movie is a rapper from Pro Era. All right, Nick Caution. So there's like, like there's a there's a there's big Brooklyn energy, and it's just a part of Brooklyn that isn't seen in film a lot, and it's just a movie that just. Yeah, it, it was a game changer. It's a is a paradigm shifter. It's a movie that, for me, redefined what Brooklyn cinema can be. And any movie that inspires the people I love is going to have a special place in my heart. Right. So, yeah. And I believe that It Felt Like Love is available on the Criterion Collection, but I'm not sure. Oh, was it? Oh. I, I, or, I or, or I know her short films were, but... I, I don't know where you can stream it felt like left right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look like I'm gonna look that up right now. But also maybe you're listening to this episode in the future. And you know, I, I don't think this is an issue for for people who watch our show, but don't be afraid to pay four dollars to rent a movie. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like people sometimes people are like, Oh, it's not free, so I'm not gonna watch it and like would you buy four dollars? Would you spend four dollars for an IPA? Right. If you if you would spend four dollars for a beer, then why not spend four dollars to watch a movie? Yeah, especially a gross thing like an IPA. But yeah, it felt like love is on Prime, so you know. Oh, nice! There you go. Yeah, and you know I'm not going to go into whether IPAs are gross or not, but I will say living where I'm living now, there's like all, there's a whole like genre of like beer cans with beautiful art and really nice beer stores. And I've been like, I'm having a cold one every once in a while. (laughs) And you know, what's a nice thing, Marcus. What's that? Cracking a cold one with a friend virtually or in real life and watching a movie and being able to experience the joy of cinema together. And I just want to say, I just want to say, Marcus, uh, I care about you. I got love for you. I, this These past few years making a podcast with you has been a real joy. And I I hope that, that we exist enough to do uh, another decade list. We will. All right, man. Catch you on the flip side.
never 